a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Great to be with you today. And as mentioned before the break, uh, I wanted to share with you uh, an interview I was able to do yesterday with Sherry Dew. Sherry is the executive vice president and chief content officer here at Deseret Management Corporation. And as many of you know, uh, last weekend, uh, President Russell M. Nelson, president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, uh, issued a call for fasting, uh, for fasting and faith and prayer on Good Friday tomorrow. And we've been tracking that and following that uh, over the course of the week. It's been very interesting, uh, a call to people of all faith and of no faith to uh, to sacrifice and to focus and uh, to try to bring the country together in the midst of this coronavirus, uh, again, really showing both the uh, faith and reason, science and spirit uh, can all come together in a significant way. And so I wanted to share some of that uh, with you today, uh, remembering that, you know, when uh, when people get knocked to their knees or when countries get knocked down, it's always a good idea when you're when you get knocked to your knees to just stay there for a second, <laughs> gather yourself, focus, look heavenward, ask for a little divine help and guidance, uh, and then rise up and and move forward. Uh, so I asked Sherry as uh, we had the chance to chat yesterday uh, to tell me just a little bit about why she thought that uh, President Nelson in issuing this call to fasting and faith and prayer on Good Friday. Uh, that he actually led by talking about his his background as a research scientist, as a heart specialist. Uh, I asked her, why do you think he did that? I thought it brought together these very distinctive elements of his life. If you talk to him about his medical career, of course, uh, we go and he goes instantly to his career as a heart surgeon, really a world-famous heart surgeon, a pioneering heart surgeon, but in almost the same breath. He wants to underscore the fact that he got a Ph.D., he's a medical researcher, he's a scientist, and I think he sees himself that way. So he has profound respect for everyone in the, in the medical services and in medical research and medical technology. Everybody who's doing whatever they can to look for cures, vaccines, preventive measures, all of that resonates with him, and he has profound respect for it. No, he's got a scientific mind, but he is first and foremost a man of faith. And he doesn't see these things as being the least bit contradictory, but that they all can live together in the same universe. And so it's beautiful to watch all of that come together in one very profound leader. I, I then asked Sherry about President Nelson and how the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints had been a little bit of ahead of the curve when it comes to implementing policies and uh, things, whether it was uh, calling for 30,000 missionaries uh, to, to come back home. Uh, I still believe that that has to be one of the largest evacuations from around the world, uh, I think, in a generation. Really extraordinary to get that many people home in that short of a window. Uh, also, uh, uh, looking at uh, things like closing the temples and suspending weekly church services and so on. 
uh, it really did seem to be that the church was a, a little ahead of the curve in terms of being a, a good global citizen uh, and really making sure they were doing both the faith and the reason part of the program. He uh, wants to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. And so imagine what it must have taken for him and his brethren of the First Presidency of the Twelve, some of the decisions they've made. But when you look at it and track it, boy, I think it's kind of fascinating. They closed down sacrament meeting before most states in the country closed down schools. So they were really on the leading, cutting edge of saying, we want to be good global citizens. We want to be part of the solution. We do not want to spread this. And uh, so for a little season, many ways that we worship and serve and just conduct the normal business of the church have been altered. But then he meets, stands up at at General Conference and announces new temples. So clearly he thinks this is temporary. Uh, one of the other things that's that's interesting from uh, Sherry Dew's perspective, she's she's had the opportunity to follow President Nelson uh, around the world covering that, uh, has been uh, influential in uh, a book, uh, Insights, a, a Prophet's Life, uh, as a biographer and uh, playing that strategic role. So I, I asked Sherry, what what is it like seeing him in all of these different settings, whether it's with a, a king, a president, a prime minister, uh, or a citizen or an individual member of the Church of Jesus Christ who's struggling? Uh, she had an interesting insight. I think it's very easy for him to relate to the one. He's a, a father of 10 and a grandfather of many and a great-grandfather of even many more. But he's also, he did nearly almost 7,000 operations in his career. So he's been at a lot of bedsides and seen a lot of suffering. So I think instantly he's able to understand and contemplate and empathize with everybody involved in this circle of life, the patient, the family members of the patient who can't be with their loved one or their friend because they've got to be quarantined, the healthcare providers that are coming face-to-face with the disease day after day. I think he has almost perfect empathy. If you now extend that to his association with world leaders, uh, everything I've seen suggests that he has profound respect for whoever they are and whatever institution or organization or faith group they represent. And I think he's communicated that. I think that's one of his gifts is communicating love and respect and uh, friendship. And one would hope that some of those connections and some of those relationships that have been built through the years might even come into play in this fast with other faith groups and other organizations joining in. And we've already seen evidence of a number of those starting to make known the fact that they want to be part of this fast as well. If you're just joining us for sharing my uh, interview with Sherry Dew uh, from yesterday, and uh, I asked her uh, in relationship to this call to fast uh, from President Russell M. Nelson that this obviously was not the first time that the the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has called for uh, a global fast. And she had some interesting insight in terms of uh, 35 years ago and how that has impacted lives. I remember vividly when we fasted because of droughts that were taking place in eastern Africa, particularly Ethiopia. Six or seven million dollars was raised on that one weekend of fasting. And then Elder M. Russell Ballard, along with Glenn Pate, who would later be called the presiding bishopric, were sent to Ethiopia to figure out how do we spend this money. But their activities on that trip to Ethiopia basically launched what would in time become LDS Charities. And now uh, I think LDS Charities has donated goods and services well in excess of several billion dollars in the ensuing years to try to relieve suffering around the globe. So that initial fast led to a very important humanitarian outreach arm of the church. 
And then I finally asked her about uh, what what she thought the impact would be. What's the focus uh, for tomorrow, Fast on Good Friday? But the way I internalize it is to say that if we seek the help of our Heavenly Father, if we go to God and plead with Him for help, that He can help the researchers, He Mm. can help the scientists, He can help the doctors, He can alleviate pain, He can curb and stem the spread of the virus. He can help us in our natural processes as well as intervene in a divine way if he so chooses to do. And uh, finally, as we were uh, wrapping up, I, w- I wanted uh, Sherry to, to just talk through uh, kind of some insight, some perspective in terms of the coronavirus, where we are, and uh, really come what should come out as a result of this day, again, non-denominational day of, of fasting and prayer for the country. I think we're all experiencing something that uh, is unique, and it's unique in my lifetime. And I would say for most of us, we haven't seen this kind of thing before. So we're all dealing with a certain degree of anxiety, worry, some fear, wondering what the future holds, Um, thankful in tremendous degrees for healthcare professionals and others that are working around the clock. But I think that anyone who has a modicum of belief and a modicum of faith, I think there's something tremendously reassuring and uh, reinforcing about thinking that we can band together, whatever your faith tradition and whatever your version of fasting might be, but come together to plead with heaven to help us, to help inspire those who are researching and trying to come up with solutions, to plead with God to help those who are afflicted and affected by this, to protect us, to help our economy. I mean, President Nelson pretty well spelled all that out, and there is just something wonderfully reassuring. It feels like we can do something rather than just feel helpless about this virus that has invaded the world. And um, for believers, I think this is a tremendous outpouring of faith, but I think it's also tremendously reassuring to be able to engage in something that calls on the power of God. Great insight there from Sherry Dew, and uh, again, appreciate her taking some time yesterday. Really looking forward to this next segment. We will have live Reverend Dr. Oscar Moses of Salt Lake's Calvary Baptist Church, an extraordinary man. Great insight. Stay with us here on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.